0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Wolverine.com game show here on Saturday night. It's currently 1121 p.m. on the East Coast after Michigan wins a 31-6 decision over Bowling Green. Uh, a lot to discuss from this game. Uh. A lot of a lot. I mean, I talked about coming into this week and having a lot of things to clean up and, and wanting to see a clean performance. And my God, it was it was anything but that. Uh, we'll get to all that. Michigan, of course, got the scoring started early with a Blake Corum four yard run to go up 7 0. And from there, uh, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. Kids earmuffs. It was kind of a shit show from there. Uh, Bowling Green scored a pair of field goals uh, in the second quarter early on to make it 7 6. Uh, Michigan of course, comes back and scores the last 24 points of the game, a 33-yard reception uh, by Roman Wilson from J.J. McCarthy, a two-yard run from Blake Clorum after uh, Chris Jenkins' interception on a screen pass. We'll get to that. James Turner had a 42-yard field goal in the third quarter. And then, of course, a 50-yard flea flicker that I'm sure will be very fun to watch in film review uh, from J.J. McCarthy to Cornelius Johnson, a little bit of a tip drill thing going on there. But before I bring in my co-host, of course Anthony Broom here of the wolverine.com, uh joined by former Michigan defensive lineman Ryan Van Bergen, really want to do some quick housekeeping tonight. Uh we are presented every Saturday after the game by our friends over at My Perfect Franchise. Are you a displaced corporate executive or wanting to put your career in your own hands? Or are you an experienced entrepreneur wanting to divert, uh, to diversify? Well, Andy Luduke can help. Andy is a huge college sports fan and franchise veteran. You guys know this by now he's owned multiple franchises and businesses using his expertise. He helps others find their American dream through a very thorough consultation and evaluation process. Call Andy, put your life and career in your own hands. Best of all, His services are 100% free to you. So what do you have to lose? Uh, We love working with Andy. It's been a great partnership going back uh, several months now. So, of course, head on over to myperfectfranchise.net. Find your perfect franchise. Book a time to chat with him as well. 404-973-9901. And head over to myperfectfranchise.net. Ryan, this game was annoying. Thoughts?
0: It was annoying. It was what I'm hoping to be a learning experience. I think that the game ended a little while ago and I've had some time to digest what, what kind of went down. And I I feel like I'm going to take the optimistic road and say that this is something that is going to benefit this team, because I think you had some things going that maybe you weren't aware of, you know, Leffler being a former Michigan coach and now the head coach at Bowling Green, this guy comes in with all the motivation in the world. And my personal Uh, opinion of Scott Leffler is he's one of the best quarterback minds and quarterback coaches that exists. And I think this is a guy that took a look at JJ McCarthy, saw some of the things that he likes to do and where he's comfortable and then worked with his defensive coordinator to make sure that those things weren't available to him, or he saw things that he's used to seeing and then took them away. Um, I think we got out-schemed. I think their coaches put in more time to their game plan and I think that showed up on the field, and I think uh, got a little bit outplayed when it comes to what we did offensively. Um, I thought defensively, we look solid, considering we're still missing some guys, but uh, offensively, I think it was a good thing that J.J. McCarthy was challenged, that J.J. McCarthy turned the ball over in this setting, in this environment, before it mattered bigger. So uh, I hope that we can get some really good film. I think it's going to be a long Sunday especially offensively in the film room, but, um, they got the job done. We got a W we're, we're three, and zero. uh, there's things to be happy about, but definitely some things that concern you as we move into the big 10 schedule.
1: Yeah. And I have, uh, before I get into, I, I mean, I have a lot of notes here and and I will, I will, uh, dump them all upon the audience. So, uh, get ready for that, you guys, but uh, a couple of dollar 99 super chats from our pal, Shane Johnson, of course, uh, You can move yourself to the front of the line with a donation using that button below, but we will also take questions at the end of the show. A few comments from Shane. He says, I flew up to see JJ look like a frosh. Can't have it. Uh, And then AB summed it up. Total uh, SS, if you know what I said earlier in the show, at the big house tonight. I want to start here uh, because we could go through every position group and talk about things they needed to clean up and things that we wanted to see, we would have liked to see. You brought this up already, Ryan, and this was one of the notes. I actually wound up underlining it. I said, this is sometime in the first half, because Michigan was never really in danger of losing this game. Uh, At a certain point, you feel bad for the Bowling Green guys. A couple guys carted off the field. You'd never, ever want to see that, Uh, but it seemed like they just kind of wanted to get out of there too. But something I wrote down in the first half, and I quote, I said, this might not be the worst thing to happen to you if you're going to win. Now, if we're being completely honest, given the way that the last two weeks went, uh, you know i'm not I'm not totally surprised with what we saw, but I kind of thought that this type of game would come next week when you play a Rutgers, uh, and I know Rutgers is Rutgers. It has that they have that stink to their name, but they've played some good ball early this year, but they're a physical team and well coached too with Greg Schiano. And you know, I kind of thought that if Michigan coasted through this game tonight, uh, kind of this in the same fashion that those first two games went, we would see a team like Rutgers come in next week and maybe punch him in the mouth and wake him up. But Ryan, to me, I mean, after, and I assume this is what it will look like when they watch the film of this game. Uh, a lot of outliers. Obviously, J.J. McCarthy's done a really good job taking care of the football since taking over as Michigan's starting quarterback. I don't think you're going to see many games where he only throws the ball 13 times, where he throws three picks and two of them uh, just super ill-advised. Really, all three of them were. Uh, he needs to be better. I don't know what was going on down there. He had a little bit of a limp early in the game, but no real excuse for that. But a ton of outliers. Um, you know, you had guys, you know, your second, this is the first week we've seen the secondary injuries kind of hurt Michigan a little bit early on uh, as Bowling Green was chucking the ball down the field. But uh, to me, when you look at games like this, and you obviously, this is where I want to tap into your experience here. Games like this, when you're obviously the better team comes down to those outlier plays and it comes down to quite frankly effort uh, after JJ threw that first pick in the end zone because this team came out on fire tonight the wind came out of their sails so what did you see after after that pick
0: I just thought that I saw hesitation I thought I saw co- uh, conservative play calling um, you know it, it's still one of the things that I wanted to make sure I hit on cause I've kind of been preaching that the offensive line is going to figure it out. We're going to get those big running gashing plays. And, you know, you start out with the first series and quorum rips one for 45, 50 yards, whatever he ended up with as his long, but that was the only flashy big run that we saw again today. And uh, I thought that there would be opportunities. I mean, Donovan Edwards, I don't know if he's not healthy or if we're just not seeing him, but he was a non-factor. I mean, you didn't even know number seven was out there today and, um, you know, it's it's going to take more than Roman Wilson, J.J. McCarthy, and some of Blake Corum to beat not even the best Big Ten teams, but just some of the teams in the Big Ten. You know, I think Rutgers, like you said, I'm glad that this happened in this game because I think you end up in that dogfight with Rutgers in a third quarter, fourth quarter. They have enough to potentially pull that out. Uh, Bowling Green, I don't think, is in that same situation. But um, I think this is a team that was looking ahead. You got Big Ten schedule coming up. You've got coach Harbaugh coming back next week. This is the end of the preseason. All you have to do is show up and get your win. And I think that I don't think you approach the game with that mindset, but I think that subconsciously that was probably at least a factor for some of these guys. And um, I think it showed up on the field and I think it's good that alarm bells are going off. I think it's good that there's concerns and there's going to be some seriousness with how we address those concerns because this team, the way we played this evening, especially first half off, especially offensively, this is not the best team in the big 10 if we play that way. And I think they know that. I think the coaches know that. And I think they're v- very capable of a lot more, but um, got to get a lot better in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, and the first thing you do is you look around the big 10. And I know the narrative coming out of today's game or today's week of college football is number one, struggled a bit. Obviously, number two struggled in Michigan. Florida State was in a battle with Boston College. Uh, who's number four? Texas, last I checked, was struggling with Wyoming. And again, there's no excuse for that. But been a weird week across the board. But you look around the Big Ten, and you see, you know, regardless of if you buy the Penn State hype or not, they went into Illinois and you know pushed that team around, and and that's a solid road win. And Ohio State, you know, they settle on Kyle McCord as their quarterback, and all of a sudden, you know, things have settled down there a bit and they're starting to look like themselves after that first game at Indiana so you look around and it's you look at your performance you look at the other team's performances and uh, it's not acceptable and it's not becoming of a a defending Big Ten champion or a team that has Big Ten championship aspirations and I think that's maybe what the most frustrating things and and maybe this is where this just maybe becomes a non-conference wrap-up show because I don't know that a ton of people are going to want to get wrapped up in in the minutia of this game. And there's certainly things to talk about that we'll get to, but you know, another note that I wrote down and maybe the question of this podcast, Ryan is when you look at this three game non-conference stretch. Now, first of all, I want to get back to the Harbaugh thing to me, by far, there's been an extra, there was an extra gear missing the first two weeks of the year. And tonight there was that calming presence that was missed. And this is where, I know that the self-imposed suspension for Jim Harbaugh was. Ah, oh, well, it's the non-conference. We should sleepwalk through those games. Tonight was kind of a mess, and I'm not. You know, it's not a referendum on Sharon Moore, but the fact that not only is he he's operating as your head coach, he's operating as your primary offensive play caller, and he has to coach the offensive line too. Uh, again, I'm not weighing his performance differently than the other guys, but a lot of a lot on his plate. Like there's so much operationally. I think we'll improve by just having Harbaugh back. But, you know, my overarching question here, Ryan, is as the Michigan Wolverines, did you accomplish what you set out to in the non-conference play? And, I mean, for the most part, I guess you can say health, but we haven't seen Rod Moore yet, haven't really seen Will Johnson. I, I don't – when we look at these three games, I, the, the biggest takeaway is that I think we know that this team is capable of so much more.
0: I think that that's fair to say, and I think that – it's hard. We were continuing to use the term preseason and I have to believe that the guys in the locker room have heard that term and whether or not that's how they're approaching it mentally or not, there's it's in the back of their minds. And this was, you know, the final stint in that preseason final game of this preseason. And uh, I think it bit them that they weren't as prepared as they otherwise would be if this were a big 10 game or something that had some serious implications. And, uh, You know, it showed up that they were not as prepared, whether that's because of what they chose to do personally or whether that's, you know, coaching wise, they were, they weren't had the same preparation level, Um, whether they're looking ahead to the big 10 schedule starting. But uh, this, you know, this team, I think every good team, in my opinion, has one game where They have to go, oh, wow, we need to get back in. We need to work. We need to continue to be the hardest working team in the country. It's not just going to happen for us because we show up. And that's what I hope this game will be for this team because as lowly lowly and slow as this season starts, we have to go into Penn State, and that's going to be a huge game. Ohio State comes to us. that's always going to be a big game. You know, Michigan State looked terrible today, but we have to go in there and win on the road uh, in a night game. So this team's going to be challenged, and so I'm – thankful and appreciative and glad that this game, there was some challenge presented because it very easily could have been a walkover win. And I don't think that would have helped us.
1: I want to start on offense as we kind of do offense, defense takeaways here. Uh, The the most glaring stat for me tonight, they only ran 44 plays and it's not because it's not because of the clock rule. It's not because uh, it, it has not everything to do with how Michigan played and nothing to do with anything else. Obviously you, you give another team, three extra possessions. One of them should have been a touchdown JJ McCarthy in the end zone. Um, You know, you got to eliminate those mistakes. I mean, uh, it seemed like Bowling green was on the field for almost two thirds of this game. And the box score bears that out Uh, 36, uh, 36 minutes, 24 seconds time of possession. Michigan only had the ball for 23 and a half minutes in this game. That's crazy to read. Uh, Like I said, you're not going to see many games where, J.J. McCarthy only throws the ball 13 times unless you're running 40 or 50 times because no one's stopping the run. Um, But just not the same level of creativity in the passing game. I thought we saw a lot of that the first few weeks of the year. Uh, Only three guys were targeted tonight. It was Colston Loveland, Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson. Not a whole lot to speak of there. Uh, I look at this passing game, and again, here's – let me shelf the passing game for a second, talk about some positives. The way that they came out to start this game, running the football, you know they've heard it for two weeks on how the run game looks broken, how the offensive line doesn't look very good. I thought that opening drive script was as good as any, uh, as good of anything, uh, as good as anything that they've run all season long.
0: I think so. I mean, that's what we're looking for. I mean, it's big old dose of quorum and him breaking off something long, and then getting behind your guys in the red zone and pushing the ball in the end zone. That's what I thought we would expect to see. You know, Michigan has maybe six, seven, eight drives with their starters in, in this game. So I'm expecting five, six of those drives to end in the same fashion. And, you know, the turnovers are a big deal. Uh, Let's not overlook the fact that, I mean, McCarthy, even on that uh, flea flicker could have had easily a fourth interception. And a lot of those, you know, the, the interceptions from what I saw, There were poorly thrown balls, bad decisions made. It wasn't like it was a tip or some kind of fluke, like he threw genuine, true interceptions. And for someone that we've been preaching, uh, you know, he's doing such a great job taking care of the ball, his placement's so good, his timing, his rhythm, all this stuff. It wasn't there today. And it's a a concern to see what it's like when that Michigan offense is stagnant. I mean, one thing that was one of my most disappointing takeaways from this game was we go into halftime we're not playing well bad but bad half of football we get the ball to come out and we're going to have some sort of script some sort of design of what we're going to do with this first drive and what do we do with the first drive three and out that is disheartening discouraging frustrating there's very few things that in this game although it didn't go the way we wanted it to go necessarily that made me upset or like you said, annoyed earlier, but going three now against Bowling Green after a half where you get to game plan, what your next drive is going to be
1: unacceptable. Yeah. I, I can't argue it. Uh, it's just everything. I think this is the game that people were fearing Michigan to have without Jim Harbaugh. And at some point, I don't want to say it reared its ugly head, but again, operationally just a lot more on everyone else's plate. And, and it goes to show the value of that guy. I, when JJ McCarthy has made mistakes in the past, you come over to the sideline and Jim Harbaugh's there and he smacks the hell out of you. Uh, you know, shakes you or whatever he does. He, he smacks the shoulder pads and kind of gets you back focused and, and able to put those bad plays behind you. And uh, I just think everyone was putting a little bit too much pressure on themselves. And I'm sure in practice this week, playing a clean game, uh, playing the cleanest game you've played yet was a focus, wasn't emphasis, but yeah, there was. It seemed like there was a little. I mean, senioritis isn't the word, but there was a little bit of. Let's just get through this game. We'll jog through this one. We get our head coach back next week. It's Big Ten play. The juice is there. Um, there's a lot of pre, clubber laying rocky three, stuff going on with this team right now, and I think they needed to be pushed in the mouth. So the fact that they have all of this on film on the offensive side of the ball, I think, is will ultimately be a positive thing for them. Uh, other takeaways on offense, you sort of you sort of mentioned it. Cornelius Johnson completely bailed out. JJ McCarthy on the flea flicker. I mean, what a weird night that was. Uh, just across the board. Uh, I think Blake Quorum looks fine. I think this is probably the best he's looked of the three weeks in terms of the wiggle and the juice and the patience. And you know, even Donovan Edwards, I'll give him some credit too. I, I thought he had a few nice runs. Blake Quorum, of course, finishes the night. Uh, Twelve rushes, 101 yards. Uh, two touchdowns, that's six for him on the year. Had that 54-yard run on the first play of the game. Again, Michigan still, uh, I didn't even mention this yet, seemed like we got an offensive line switch at the end of the game or towards the end of the game when the starters were in there, where there was a lot made this week about, hey, this is our, you know, Michigan method is does not apply. This is our starting five on the offensive line. And I think about halfway through that third quarter, it was actually, unfortunately, right before – uh, the first Bowling Green player was carted off the field. Ladarius well, Henderson finally comes in at left tackle. Carson Barnhart moves over to the right side, and you know, in the brief glimpse we saw of those guys, I thought they played pretty well, but obviously, still a lot to figure out there. Ryan.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, it's no secret that Hinton has been a little bit of our. Achilles heel when it comes to running the football. He's great in pass protection at right tackle, but uh, has seen some times where he cannot get any movement off the line of scrimmage, stalemates, um, you know, not, not working together with the guard to get good combo blocks. And I think that they're probably looking for some solutions in the run game because, you know, this is game three and we're not, we're not getting what we would want out of that position specifically in run game stuff. Um, But I was going to say the same thing. We heard about this Michigan method, and we are seven, eight, nine, 10 deep on the O- line. I don't know that I buy that. Uh, we might have guys to go seven, eight, nine, 10 deep, but there's a distinct "This guy's better than this," and so on and so forth. So I think we're getting more desperate to figure it out than we were start of the season but it's a concern. You know, you said, you mentioned Donovan Edwards, Donovan Edwards to me, and this is just because I think so highly of Donovan Edwards. At one point last year, I said he should be running back one over a healthy Blake Corum. I still don't know that I necessarily would back off of that when he's at his best, but Donovan Edwards against a bowling green team should shine and should look like the best athlete on the field. Whenever he touches the ball, I didn't see that today. Now, again, he may not be hundred percent healthy, maybe the touches weren't you know suitable to what he can can get accomplished, but I haven't seen him catch the ball much since the first game. I feel like he hasn't had too many perimeter touches with the speed that he has. And when he has had his touches, I haven't seen anything that really jumps out and makes you go, wow. And he, we talked about this last podcast, but he had a lot to say in the offseason about lightning and lightning in the backfield and how productive they were going to be. And he's changing the football position or the running back position in college football it's time to show up it's big 10 time. And so I'm ready for Donovan Edwards to have a coming out party because I was expecting it. And to this point in the season, it's just not there. Um, another thing that I would like to see more of or see potentially even another guy out there is, ah, I keep wanting to call him Ronnie Bell more number eight. Um, I'm forget his first name, but Tyler Morris. Tyler Morris, excuse me. Tyler Morris. He had a good game last week and then this week he saw some targets and couldn't come away with the football. And he had some wide open ones that, you know, we've got to have a guy there that can make those plays. And um it's coming down to crunch time. Like we need to find starting five O line and receiver wise, we need someone to compliment Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson, but he's kind of only halfway shown up. So um it's time for these guys to emerge and to solidify who this offense and what they're going to be.
1: Yeah, it's important to to set a tone that you can't just turn it on and turn it off. And not, I just I, I've seen a lot of eighty percent effort, eighty five percent effort. Not not that guys are totally slacking off, but just not what you would expect from a team that has the aspirations that they do. Uh, this is a nine ninety nine super chat from Chris H, and he says. Go ahead and come at me. I'm not going to come at you, Chris H. You're entitled to your opinion. But he says, I'm pissed. The amount of talent that we have, no excuse. Over three games, no hard boss, still no excuse. Ironing out, quote unquote, ironing out the wrinkles. Uh, and he, he says, a naughty word. Going to win the conference? Not. Right now, they don't look like the favorite to win the Big Ten. Uh, I think Penn State has looked better. I think Ohio State has made strides each of the first three weeks. And I think you're right to be pissed, especially if you paid to come out here. Stip through that, and oh, yeah, the light show was cool, but now it's 11.45, you're still sitting in traffic on Stadium uh, Boulevard, and you're not going to be home till 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. I would be pissed if you're someone who did that tonight. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a performance unbecoming of a championship contender. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, at some point, you can't just, like, that's three weeks of kind of just getting through the game. At some point you want to impose your will and be dominant. And honestly, those first two non-conference games, I thought, you know, for the first three quarters, albeit it was kind of death by a thousand paper cuts, not as many explosive plays, but I thought those first two games were for mostly clinical sands, a few errors that are, you know, to be cleaned up. But tonight was just, it was kind of a comedy of errors on offense in a lot of, aspects. And again, all things that I expect to get cleaned up. I'm not, there are people on the message board saying, Oh, Rutgers is going to come in here and and win. And there are people that are saying that, you know, this is a a four or five loss football team. Relax on that. We know the talent that's there, but these guys, these guys need to find that fire and you know, maybe it is, maybe this is it, maybe this is the turning point, but uh, you know, it certainly has to be because if they come back and look like this with Jim Harbaugh, they have a bigger problem.
0: I think so. And let's also take note of what has happened in college football in the landscape of week three. And, you know, uh, Alabama at one point was down this week, I believe. Uh, Georgia, I think, was either tied or behind at one point this week. We were never behind in this game. And there were, like you said, there was never a time where I thought we were at risk of losing this game. And I understand your, your aggression and your anger, Chris. And I would challenge you to tell me another team that has won the Big Ten Conference in September because there's no one that will win the conference in September. The best football needs to be played in November. And all you can do is look at what you did today and find ways to fix and improve and build. And the good teams do it and the average teams don't. And if this is the same staff we had last year and the year before, they will take this film, they will learn from it, They'll grow, they'll get better as they get into October and in some of these thicker big ten schedule games. and uh, this is a very talented team. So uh, don't throw away your Michigan stuff just yet. This team's gonna get it get it back on the tracks. Um, but reasonably upset, I can understand.
1: yeah, for for as annoyed for as annoyed as annoyed as I am that I'll be working till like four o'clock in the morning today. I have been in this building for non-conference games. Like this was not army from 2019 where you got to go to, what was it? Double overtime and sweat it out. It was frustrating, but it was still again, never really in doubt. The game was never really in doubt. Michigan was always going to kind of at least figure it out enough. And then all you can really do, all that ever really matters is what happens next is the most important thing. So a quick dollar 99 super chat here from Shane Johnson. Again, thank you, Shane. He says, JJ, Has to hit Morris in stride on that one deep ball. Absolutely. Uh, I felt like, and apologies. I forgot who dropped this comment in there earlier. Someone said something along the lines of after that first pick, JJ just didn't look like he was, he was skittish. He was uncomfortable. And again, that's where I think some of that calming presence of Jim Harbaugh on the sideline, the the calming presence of, Hey, listen, man, just put that behind you. I just felt like everything kind of snowballed for him tonight. And, hey, it's better to get this one out of your system now than, let's say you go to you know, Nebraska in two weeks, Minnesota in three weeks, and have a game like that. You're probably losing that football game on the road, so take it for what it is. uh, You put it on film, and it has to improve, and I think it will. I mean, again, with everything that we say tonight, all of this is correctable. We know what they're capable of. So, Uh, want to do a little more housekeeping here before we move into, we'll talk about the defense. I think the defense deserves a lot of love for what they did in this game tonight, but First, I want to talk about uh, a newer addition to the rotation here in our post game show. It's our friend Susie Surma uh, with Modus Realty. Are you ready to buy a home? This is one of, if not the most expensive purchases you'll ever make. Having a realtor who listens and cares about your needs is crucial, crucial. Susie Surma is the right local expert for you. Susie includes a free buyer's consultation to uncover your home buying needs, maximize your experience and efficiency. So you can email her today over at at re.com Let's face it, guys. I mean, the market is kind of brutal out there right now. It's been challenging. The critical piece that you might be missing, though, is having the right agent. And using a realtor that has superior knowledge and negotiation skills is the key to closing the home of your dreams. So, uh, Susie Surma is your answer. Not only does she know the area, she is a fierce negotiator. So, why not build equity now? Contact Susie Surma to start your customized home search today. Call Susie at 248 767 5633 or email her at Susie, S U S I E, at modusre.com. That's M O T U S R E.com. So uh, thank you to Susie Surma for sponsoring the Wolverine postgame show. Let's flip over to the other side of the ball, Ryan. I think uh, those guys did, outside of some miscues in the back seven, which again, I don't think are all that unexpected given the fact that, well, Johnson's not out there. Obviously, Amorian Walker hasn't played this season. It doesn't look like he's going to play for a while. Rod Moore wasn't out there. Jaden McBurrows was out tonight. It's been um, it's been kind of a mishmash of guys back there. And uh, Bowling Green came out, and, and their wide receivers, their skill players were as advertised, made a couple nice plays down the field. But for the most part, I mean, this the defense was – Outside of the six points, I mean, I I predicted they might put out a shutout this week, but uh, 3.6 yards per play, I I don't really have any issue with how the defense played for the most part. There's some coverage issues, but Steve is always going to go in the lab and get those cleaned up, and I thought as the game went on, those guys got a lot better.
0: I thought they played well, and that was one of the things I wanted to make sure I talked about because I feel like you get so focused. I mean, the the offense is what – Brings puts people in the seats, but defense wins championships. Everybody knows that. So when the offense isn't playing well, it's always a bad game. And that's really not the case. The defense played a really solid game. Uh, I thought that you saw a lot of guys make plays. And one of the things that I thought was really impressive was how stifling our defense was after the turnovers because so far to this year we've been spoiled and haven't turned the ball over so our defense is going out there after a kickoff because we just scored a touchdown or kicked a field goal or we punted and punted safely so uh, sudden change events are usually when you can have some big plays happen you can make some big errors Uh, when there's turnovers those type of things will happen and for this team to go out there and take care of business and be out on the field as much as they were I mean you talked about time of possession I don't know how many offensive snaps Bowling Green had, but however many snaps they had, we had to defend them. So these guys got quite a few snaps today, and I thought they played really well. Front seven especially, you know, you needed those guys to show up and play big with the secondary, having some guys out. So I thought you saw some really good play. I thought uh, Chris Jenkins obviously had a good game, uh, big pick, changed the game around, kind of got some momentum back which we, I thought we desperately needed. Saner still, I thought, played amazing. He's had you know nothing but consistently good games, but I thought today he kind of showed up and had a lot of, I thought, pressure, a lot of uh, time in the backfield for a nickel, and that's going to cause all sorts of issues. And then again, you got Junior Colson, Michael Barrett, playing so solid at linebacker, getting very little attention. But I'm telling you, those guys might be the two best linebackers in the Big Ten when it's all said and done.
1: I thought of you on that interception, the big guy touched. I, guess I said, big guy, touchdown, exclamation point underlined in my notes here. So how, how hard is that for a defense? Uh, you know, uh, on it, to my eyes about a te- as, as textbook as it gets, defending the screen pass, how hard of a play is that to make? And are you mad for your, your fellow lineman that he couldn't find a way to punch that one in?
0: oh there's so much that goes into it so you're queued up i mean they call a screen because it's an obvious pass down they're usually longer yardage second and 10 third and 12 you might see a screen especially if it's on their side of the field but you get geeked up because it's pass rush time especially on that side of the field that's the student section side so you get a sack over there that's that's where you get all of the endorphins is when you get up from a sack in that student section side of the uh the stadium but so you get up what you think is a good pass rush move then you have to second guess yourself and decide did i really beat him or did he just let me go because if you think he lets you go then you have to backtrack but i've had plays where i thought i was gonna go backtrack and get a screen and no it's just a normal pass and i won my rush and i should have went and got a sack but no i didn't so uh you've got to be smart enough to know and recognize that the offensive lineman gave you the ole. Then the second part of this, cause I'd like to harp on this. Cause I dropped a screen pass that I read against Michigan state in 2008. And, uh, it's been pawning me ever since, but you don't realize when you play defensive line, you're taped from fingers down to like mid forearm, your ability to flex your wrist and fingers is totally gone. So to catch a football with the way your hands are taped to play defensive line, is pretty challenging. It's like having two casts on and trying to catch a football. So, uh, the fact that he made the play, read it correctly, made the catch, ran the football, got down to the one. All he didn't get was a cherry on top, but he ate the whole Sunday.
1: <laughs> I love that. Uh, Michigan had three sacks. It w- just again, talk about a weird night. Mike Sadler still had a sack, and Chris Jenkins had an interception. So, a little bit of a body swap going on there. Just a weird night in general, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, for these two teams on Saturday night. But uh, I thought the pressure was good throughout the night. I, I look at the box score, and they had three sacks. It felt like they had more than that, but it felt like there was pressure in there frequently. Obviously, uh, Connor Basilac, who started the game when Michigan played Indiana last year, did not play tonight. And then Bowling Green was down to, I believe, its third or fourth string quarterback by the end of this game. And, you know, once. Once he was out there, obviously the two picks, I mean, Michigan just kind of teed off on him. He asked how many snaps did uh, the Michigan defense play. They were out there for 57 plays. Uh, Obviously, hey, uh, it's kind of a bit of a reversal. It was the starters that gave up six points this week and the rest of the game held them off the board. So kudos to those guys there. Uh, Any other stats that stick out here? Uh, 36 rushes for 81 yards for Bowling Green. So uh, 2.3 yards per rush. Love to see that. Uh, passing game, 14 for 21, 424 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Again, I mean, it's just hard to – when I look at this defense, you know, and I'm sitting here in week three going, gosh, you know, uh, Keyshawn Harris could have made a better play here, or Josh Wallace got mossed on a play there. Will Johnson's going to be out there next week, and Rod Moore's going to be back, I-, I think, soon, probably within the next few weeks little more of a not longer term thing there but you know I think he could miss the first four or five games of the year but when we we're, we're singling these guys out and they're probably not going to be on the field a whole ton when this team is healthy so I, again about a sol- as solid as a performance I mean there, there are things to clean up there but I thought that Jesse Minter did what he did best again made those second half adjustments and defensively I think again not a sterling day at the office but I don't think they're going to get chewed into quite like their offensive uh, brethren will in film study this week.
0: They kept them from scoring a touchdown and they've been able to do that consistently. And they've been doing it with, you know, guys that I would say if you were to lay out a depth chart of how deep we're going, I mean, we're into the twenties and thirties of guys that are playing number of guys that are playing 20 guys, 30 guys that are getting reps and good solid reps, not just, you know, fourth quarter, junk time reps so uh, this team in this defense i feel like is something that we can lean on and it's going to help this offense this offense when it operates on all eight cylinders and jj's comfortable and we get the running game going the defense will have a much easier day but it's nice to know that you have this resilient stifling defense that if the offense can't get it going as long as you don't give the other team the ball we're going to have a chance especially in these bigger games penn state ohio state but if we give the team the other the other team, the ball and change the number of possessions, especially with the way the new clock works. I mean, to be honest, 90 plays is what this whole game had 90 plays and it took five hours. I mean, good God, what are we doing? Um, yeah, that's another, that's another conversation entirely, but, uh, the, the, this defense is solid and I think good enough to where if the offense has a hiccup game, the defense will keep you in it. And that's something that at the end of the day, you want a championship team you need a defense that's consistent and can help and bail you out and i think we have that
1: and i believe i'm trying to find the turnovers here was it two turnovers three on the day whatever it was they didn't win the turnover battle but i like you know they haven't racked up the turnovers that you'd like to see but i I like that they've been in position to do that that leads me to believe that they're going to kind of come and snowball at some point so again if you need that momentum changing play the chris jenkins play might be the play of the game. Not to say that, it, you know, Michigan wouldn't have won if it didn't happen, but, you know, plays like that swing momentum. And obviously you saw the other way. Plays like that from your offense kill momentum. So I'm uh, going to go through some final thoughts here. And then we'll, we'll move to uh, another 499 Super Chat from Chris H. He says, I get it, fellas. I'm just frustrated. I agree with you begrudgingly, LOL. Yeah, I, I get it, man. It's... It's getting close to midnight. Uh, if you're watching it live, you're frustrated. You want to see this team put up a fifty burger. You want to be the talk of the college football world and be oh gosh, darn it! You know they coming out of non conference that looks like the team to beat, but I don't know that that was ever in the cards with what this non conference schedule looked like. And again, uh, it's just it's been a weird three weeks without Jim Harbaugh. I think you really do kind of realize how much you know. We always talk about oh, who's Who's the, what's the succession plan? What if Jim goes back to the NFL? Is it Sharon Moore? Is it Mike Hart? Uh, my takeaway is that maybe just keep Jim Harbaugh happy and let him coach here as long as he wants to, and make sure he's handsomely paid to do so. Uh, Cause it does, it does feel different. There's that killer instinct. That's not there. There's a lot of real, um, I feel like effort mistakes that we've seen a lot of lack of detail stuff. We haven't even talked about this yet. A uh, special teams was a total adventure tonight with the, uh, the squib kick, the pooch, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Max Bredesen, that was the other turnover that Michigan had, uh, was that fumble on the kickoff, just uh, sloppy. And again, outliers. We've seen Jay Harbaugh coach special teams for, what, three years now, two years now, and and they play one of the you know – they're one of the cleaner special teams units in the country. So uh, but on the flip side, James Turner, last two weeks, been booming them through there. Certainly less concerned about him uh, at kicker than we were maybe early earlier on this uh, off season or in that opening game, but yeah, again, just uh, you know, anytime that you can play, I mean, honestly, like, what is what would you even call this Ryan? Is this a C? minus performance it's hard for me to even give it a a c feels optimistic
0: give me a platoon because i feel like the the defense played b plus a minus football but the offense is not at c level you know so that to me it's bad it's bad news when you have such a disparity between the two at least one of them is good i guess if you want to be optimistic
1: yeah yeah uh, so we'll just call it a c uh when you can play your c game as a team more power to you but can't get away with like Rutgers is not going to let you get away with what Bowling Green did, which is crazy to say, but they've played some good ball over the last few weeks. They're three and zero, I believe, so they're not going to be afraid to play her. We've seen Rutgers over the last three years, going back to the COVID season, they are not afraid of Michigan. So this is, the, like I said, I, I feel like this is the wake up call that they needed. So uh we're gonna take this moment here. I mean, I'll empty out some of my notes here from uh, my trusty notepad, but. We will take a few questions here to close out the show. I don't know that there's a whole lot more to say uh, in terms of takeaways or things like that. So if you have questions, if you have something you want to get off your chest, now is the time to get those in the queue. Uh, I will kind of go through some of my other notes here. I thought Keon Saab had a sack. Apparently that's not, that didn't show up in the box score, but I thought once again, he played well. You talk about injury replacements. That's a guy I think is going to stay in that safety rotation for sure. Uh, I think Blake Corum looks fine. Uh, lots of sloppy and WTFs in the notebook. We've covered all that stuff. Um, let's see defense turned the game for them. Absolutely. Uh, one of the, one of my takeaways is everyone in the top four didn't play well today. For the most part, uh, Alabama is not in that top four, but it's kind of crazy to see Alabama struggle as a 35 point favorite. So something in the water today for sure. And, and I know that, Georgia played an SEC school and and there are a couple of those other teams that played, I think, conference games, but uh, just a weird week across the board and maybe a lesson. You know, let me say this. It could always be worse. Your team didn't give up 713 total yards of offense tonight. Yeah, so I got.
0: I actually have a question because I t- was at the game till the end of the third quarter. Did Alex Orgy come in in relief? Was he got his first action tonight? Correct? Because the backup quarterback situation, I'm worried. After our last podcast last week, that's still a major concern. JJ McCarthy goes down for any duration, a whole even a series, it changes the whole landscape of a game. So was he the second one in? Uh, how did the quarterback rotation occur? Because I left and and made the drive home.
1: Got it. I forgot about this sequence. This might be my least favorite part of the entire game. So, at at one point, probably right after you left, Ryan, Alex Orgy did come in. He was the first backup quarterback off the bench. And he comes in, starting off, starting offensive line, stayed in, including Ladarius Henderson at left tackle, Carson Barnhart on the right. And the freshman wide receivers came out and, like, all right, well, they're up 31 to six. Here's the, you know, they're calling off the dogs. That's it. They bring Alex orgy out for a few plays and he had a rush. Let me check the box. He had two rushes for 11 yards. It's pretty much all he did. JJ McCarthy comes back in skill, starting skill players come back in. And that's when JJ throws pick number three, trying to throw the ball out, uh, trying to throw the ball away around, along the sidelines. So they brought the backups in and then mid drive subbed the starters back in. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out why the hell they did that. Uh, Yes, to answer your question, he did play. Jaden Denigal uh, got in there as well. Didn't throw the ball at all, but uh, Cole Cabana got in tonight. Leon Franklin got in tonight. Samash Morgan got some run tonight, but other than that, uh, once again, that's three games with. I assume right now that Jack Tuttle is going to be the backup, uh, but my God, I, that's not only is your JJ McCarthy's successor probably not on the roster right now. I I still don't know who your backup quarterback is. And that's scary, too, because J.J. took some hits and was limping around tonight.
0: He will miss some significant time. It's going to happen the way he plays the game. I mean, the way the game is played, period. But the way he plays it, he will have to come out during critical times. And I don't trust whoever they put in to even get us to fourth down so we can punt.
1: It's scary. I mean, they go to Nebraska in two weeks, and I'm thinking about poor Russell Bellamy all over again. For the second yeah. week in a row, his name has come up, poor guy. But um, yeah, man, I, I don't know what's going to, I assume it's going to be Tuttle. But, and again, if those guys come in, you have the benefit of they're going to play behind a starting offensive line. Those starting, you know, skill guys will be out there, but. I don't I mean they just they just didn't run any offense with those guys in there the last few weeks. In the fourth quarters of you know we talk about what turns these non-conference games into the blowouts uh it's those guys you know those first two non-conference games last year I think they had 28 total points. They didn't score anything in in these three games. It didn't even really move the ball. So it's uh yeah, it's kind of JJ or bust and he's got to be smarter. Uh they need to do a better job of keeping him clean, but you know, you see him limping around, and, and like I said, the fact that I didn't see Sherrod Moore's pe- uh, press conference because uh, we were getting ready to do the show, but I mean, I would have loved to hear the explanation for why the backups came in and then mid-drive the starters came back in there because nothing changed with the score. The score was what it was at the end of the game. Um, frustrating I, again in a night that was was odd in so many different ways, good and bad. That was to me maybe the most frustrating sequence of the evening.
0: Yeah, like I said, I I unfortunately didn't catch that part. We had a good parking spot, and I got home pretty quick, but I didn't catch that part. And uh, as a player, I've never heard of that. Um, We used to say let them hang because you've got these straps that go in from your shoulder pads that go right here. And when you're done and you're a starter and you've got an inferior opponent beat, get to unhook, let them hang. You're done. So they should have been hanging, and they should have been done. So to me, that shows disorganization, and it shows – Uh, some sort of lapse or issue with communication among the coaches. And again, I think that it's a good thing to, you know, recognize that Sharon Moore has O-line play calling head coaching duties, all these things going on night game. People have epilepsy. There's too many lights going and flashing, you know, there's a lot of things going on. So there could have been a chance that there's a miscue and that's what that was. But that's a dangerous miscue. You throw JJ McCarthy back in in a situation where he doesn't need to be in there, and oh, he throws a ball and hits his hand on a helmet. You know, it's that's a no no. You don't make those mistakes. That's that's JV. We're, we're that's that's below what we think this team is capable of and this staff is capable of. So I'd love to hear what the reasoning was, but I would have to believe it's a mistake.
1: Yeah, that's the second week in a row where there it seems like there was some kind of weird operation thing going on because i guess last week after jack tuttle got hurt alex orgy was spo- or Jane Denegal was supposed to come in and they went to davis warren davis warren throws a pick and then things got really weird and harbaugh was up front about it he's like yeah mike hart messed that up which was weird to hear him kind of get thrown under the bus like that but that's two weeks in a row where something weird happened and i'm just i'm, I'm ready for deep breaths next week jim harbaugh returns the 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 King is back to assume his throne and there's a lot to sort out. And he loves, he loves to coach and he loves to make adjustments and he loves to work on those details. I have to imagine this is going to be a very difficult week of practice, not difficult week of practice, but it's going to be a very productive week of practice because I think that there is no more room for, I mean, there's, I can't say there's no margin of error, but they just have to play a lot better. And I think they're finally at full strength. I think that with Big Ten play here, they're relatively healthy. It's just about getting in that groove again, and you can't you can't turn it on and turn it off. Uh, the championship level of play has to be constant. And these first three weeks, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, maybe an extension of fall camp, but also just not good enough. So, uh, any other final thoughts on the non conference in general as we? Move into the uh, the witching hour here.
0: I would just say that you know, as as much as we're disappointed with a lackluster excuse me lackluster offensive performance from today's game, and maybe not seeing the fireworks that we were expecting to see even in game one, game two from the offense, that I am waiting with bated breath to see Jim Harbaugh come back to this team because one, I think you're right in that his influence, his presence, his demeanor, all those things matter. When it comes time to play the game, especially for JJ McCarthy in the quarterback position, because you know, we've all known Harbaugh and he's known to be the quarterback whisperer. So it's it's going to be good to have him back there. But I am also really interested to see what kind of enthusiasm he approaches this with and what this when's the last time Jim Harbaugh watched Michigan on TV like the rest of us, you know, and had that perspective to, to watch his team. I think that that's going to do something. I'm not sure what it is, but I think it's going to do something to charge him up and get his guys right. And he, he, he not only did he have that perspective, but he's also, you know, he's in the building, he's in the film room, he's with the other coaches. So, um, I think that being three and oh, having significant wins, you know, we've won by double digits and, did what we were supposed to do defenses look good offenses showing us flashes and Harbaugh's coming back like it's time to get the family moving and get everybody going in the right direction and I think that's what's going to happen and uh let's whatever bad taste you may have in your mouth from what happened today offensively I think it's fair to say that we can trust daddy Harbaugh to come back and make everything okay and that's what's going to happen
1: it just passed midnight here on the East Coast as we do it live, and let me just say this: I mean, if Ward Manuals not wasn't standing on Jim Harbaugh's doorstep ten minutes ago with a contract extension ready to be signed, like let's just let's get it over with and move forward. Because this is, uh, I think we have got a glimpse of life without Jim Harbaugh the last few the last few weeks, and not crazy about what it looked like. Honestly, uh, just missing that extra gear, missing a championship gear, and no one operates in times of struggle or time where you need something more, you know, better than he does. I mean, he, he, he is an expert of operating in the awkward, uh, in the uh, unorthodox. And it's been a weird few weeks. Uh, It's been a weird few months, but this team has championship aspirations. And I do think that we will probably see again. I feel like I've said this three weeks in a row. I think we're getting Michigan's best cleanest, most dominant performance next week. And uh, again, I thought that maybe next week was going to be the the week that we saw something like this, similar to the Maryland game last year, coming out of non conference play. But this this should be a wake up call because the team that I saw tonight is a you know a two a three lost football team, and that's not this this group is too good for that. So uh, I think that's going to do it for us here. Again, the sky is not falling. Uh, I think we're all just tired and cranky for the most part. Non-conference games are over. Every game from here on out are the ones that, I mean, they all matter. But these are the ones where, you know, your legacy is, is written and your identity is formed. And everything just needs to be cleaner and better. And no more, I mean, just just the silly mistakes have to end. So, uh, Ryan Van Bergen, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Michigan wins 31-6. to 6. We'll see what the AP poll looks like in the morning. Wouldn't be surprised to see Michigan maybe fall to three. But, again, no one in the top four. Really looked all that great, but uh, a lot of work to do, a lot to clean up. Of course, next week's a noon game, so we will be doing our post-game show much earlier in the day. Looking forward to seeing how this team comes out and plays against the Rutgers team that's played them really tough. So be sure to like uh, this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can get your first month of access over at the Wolverine for some of our, uh, our paywalled content. All the insider stuff, $1 for your first month or 25% off an annual subscription, so go check that out. Leave us a positive review wherever you listen to your podcasts or shows. And until next week, uh, I'm Anthony Broom. Uh, this has been our post game show. We'll talk to you in Big Ten play That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions eighteen plus.